Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of Catastrophe Month here at your favorite local podcast. <laughs> oh my god! If we're not local, we're we could be anywhere. We're local, maybe we have we're some everywhere. international. <laughs> we're everywhere. Yeah, turn around. Um, <laughs> turn around. We are right there. Not if you're driving, though. Don't pay attention no, to the road. I'm there. I'll jog. I'm afraid. <laughs> um yes hi everyone um let's start the episode with an apology from me as most of our episodes start um and only from her yeah i know <laughs> it is very much my fault as all things are on this podcast that you did not have a feline friday in your podcast feed this past week um we had technical difficulties when we were trying to record the week before and this past week i have been in the backwoods of montana with no internet so <laughs> you're just gonna get two episodes in one week um i think this is going to be released on monday which the art is already up props to genesis yeah um i'm always on schedule but whenever i like my instagram notifications are blowing up i'm like oh genesis posted the art (laughs) i was like i'm not this popular on my personal account um but (laughs) yes yes so um many apologies for no episode this friday um this is going to release monday and then we should release the final one should be on schedule for this friday anyway we have two big kitties to talk about today, Genesis. Wh- we do. Do you? Who are they? Do you know what either one of them are? Do you remember? Okay, one is. Is it the Wampus Cat or Wampus Cat or just Wampus? Or am I pronouncing it wrong? It's known as the Wampus Cat. Got you. And the other one is the one I am beyond excited for because I believe I got little tidbits about it. Is the underwater panther? Yes. Is it a species or is it just a single panther living under the sea? Singular. Nice. Tell me all about them. (laughs) Okay. We're starting out with the wampus cat because I think uh, he's cute. Um, (laughs) But then, like, as I was drawing him, um, he's not that cute, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he can have a little glow up or something. I'm not sure. But (laughs) anyways... Um, the Wampus Cat is a cat-like creature in American folklore, finally not in Europe. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> headed Asia. back to the States. We're headed out of Eurasia. Mm-hmm. Um, American folklore, it is sometimes referred to as the Cherokee Death Cat. Nice. <laughs> I love when things are called a, when it's a death cat. Me too. Um, it was said to live in the region surrounding the Appalachian Mountains in North America. Um, It can vary widely in appearance, ranging from frightful to comical, depending on the region. Uh, The wampus cat first came to the attention of the world outside the mountains um, around, like, the 19th century. Um, Although at the time it wasn't the wampus cat they were referring to, but the catawampus. (laughs) I feel like I've heard of that. It was a word used to describe the idea of an animal lurking in the woods. It existed as something to pretty much just blame any kind of, like, unusual, inexplicable, wildly mysterious event on, like, just the scapegoat of the forest, pretty much. Nice. Um, In its sense as a mysterious animal, catawampus may be related to the word catamount, which was the regional name for the eastern cougar. 
Um, However, as the cooters themselves sadly started to disappear from the woods, so did the use of the word itself. Um, So sometime in the early 20th century, the syllables were transposed and the catawampus became the wampus cat. Ooh, so, okay. Yeah, (laughs) for some reason, I feel like I've heard of the catawampus before, but not the wampus cat, which is interesting. Yeah, just two steps in an evolution, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I almost just went, meow, at the end of that, and I don't know why. The wampus cat possessed me. It feel it just felt right. It did. It just in the moment. I don't know. Spur of the moment <laughs> decision that I'm glad I didn't take. <laughs> um, early references by the American Dialect Society noted the wampus cat as a creature heard whining about camps at night. Same. It was said to be a mythical green-eyed cat said to have occult powers. Magic kitty. <laughs> magic big kitty (laughs) magic baby (laughs) um or even culminating in a very general description of an unidentified undefined imaginary animal uh varying (laughs) varying widely in appearance but always feline in nature with glowing eyes i love that they were just like we know nothing about him (laughs) It's a cat. <laughs> it's a cat, and that's all Period. you get. <laughs> Full stop. Um, it's usually depicted similarly to a cougar or mountain lion, usually with like a light tan or yellow fur. But sometimes we'll have depictions with jet black fur, totally feeding into the whole death cat. Yeah, which I personally support. I you support. Su- I support emo wampus cat. Emo wampus cat. My chemical can't. (laughs) My chemical wampus. (laughs) My chemical catawampus. (laughs) My catawampus romance. (laughs) That's definitely a book somewhere. That's like a dirty book. (laughs) That is a filthy book somewhere. My catawampus romance, our new EP dropping this Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and a totally unrelated note, I'm totally like dropping a romance novel later in the year it's totally unrelated to this but i just came up with the title okay (laughs) um however sometimes the wampus cat is said to possess six legs as opposed to the normal four oh (laughs) should explain the art a little bit more yeah i'm looking at oh your art does have six that's really scary (laughs) the heart does have six legs interesting that it does it was very difficult that's Uh, i just noticed that now i think my brain filled in the blanks as like four legs yeah you totally did um it was said to have huge fangs and was even sometimes known to walk upright like a man no if you saw that coming towards you in like the middle of the night absolutely not that is straight out of my nightmares oh my god yeah not just so the mental image now the you mental image is in the woods just like oh, magic baby and then it stands up so now it's on four legs and then it stands up again 
that that radiates the same energy as like the one tiktok audio where it's like here comes the boy and then it's like here Here comes comes the the adult man hello taxpayer yeah but then it's one step further hello entity hello satan (laughs) dangerous demon of the underworld yeah um, it was said to release a high-pitched hissing sound along with a normal roar and have a repulsive, almost wet stench, possibly because it was said to now live in the sewers during the daytime before leaving to hunt and prowl at night. I think this is the worst one we've covered. <laughs> I think this one is bad. So not Pennywise. only So not only is this cat, like, terrifying it also smells awful yeah this cat is muscular and will mess you up and also bodybuilder cat smells terrible pipes man you know the stories about people who are really scared that like a snake has come out of the toilet imagine it is one of six muscular paws (laughs) clawing at your bare ass absolutely not i do not want to imagine that Thank it's you. Doing, you're doing it. I know you are. Unfortunately, I am. I'm in your head. <laughs> I know <laughs> the truth. <laughs> um, folklorist Vance Rudolph described the wampus cat as a kind of amphibious panther, which leaps into the water and swims like a colossal mink. I love that they use the word colossal. Just yeah. A it's colossal like, um, mink. Yeah. It swims like it's big. <laughs> Noted, Vance. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for your input. <laughs> Me and my two legs are gonna go swim somewhere else. Yeah. Done. Other commentators liken the wampus cat to a creature in Cherokee mythology, um, where there are two main origin stories for the creature. Um, in one, the monster is the cat-like embodiment of a female onlooker who is cursed by tribal elders as a punishment for hiding beneath the pelt of a wild cat in order to witness a sacred ceremony. Um, when she was inevitably caught spying on the ceremony, um, the pelt she had wrapped herself in as a disguise became her own skin as punishment, and she was said to have become a strange mix of feline and human. Oh my god. I'm not enjoying that. (laughs) Like, mind your business, guys. Especially if it is a sacred native ceremony. (laughs) I am not messing with that. Um, She was cursed to live forever alone in the woods, never again enjoying human company. Uh, And in this version of the story, they say that she roams the Appalachian Mountains at night, forever wandering alone. Um, When she steals animals or ruins farmland, uh, she's said to be acting on anger and resentment from being cut off from the rest of mankind and never able to rejoin them. Well, now I'm just sad. (laughs) Aww. That's... I'm sorry I called you smelly. Oh my god. (laughs) You're about to get cursed. I know. You should have led with this. It's mind your own business. I'm sorry. I... I'm oh sorry. God. Moving on. I'm sorry I called you Satan. The wampus cat has been associated in several southeastern tribal beliefs as a shapeshifter. Um, this is another story that can be found in charity folklore and local legends of a witch transforming into a beast. Um, and having this being kind of like 
a werewolf type deal where like this monster is terrorizing the town and then they don't investigate the witch and then they catch her like mid transformation into Ooh. this thing. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But like that's really all there is to it. So that's all I said. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as the second origin story, there are many versions where the Wampus Cat is in fact a spirit of madness, referred to as Iwa, who terrorized a village in what today is somewhere in North Carolina. Um, it was said to possess the power to drive men mad with a single glance, and was said to feast on the dreams of the Cherokee children. Once again, girl boss. <laughs> <laughs> no, talk about girl boss. Okay, here's the story. Um, a woman known as Running Deer wanted revenge for her husband, who is known as Standing Bear. Um, Iwa had been terrorizing their village, and as the strongest and bravest man, Standing Bear had tried to best it in combat, but was instead driven insane. Um, so, you know, rightfully pissed about this. Um, Running Deer went to the village shamans, who gave her a mask with a bobcat's face and a black paste to hide her body and her scent from the monstrous spirit. Uh, in order to defeat it, they said that she had to catch it by surprise. And when Awa was caught by surprise by the bobcat mask, its magical madness powers turned upon itself. Which, yikes. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just stressed. <laughs> Shamans and war chiefs declared Running Deer the spirit talker and home protector. And legend claims that Running Deer's spirit now inhabits the Wampus Cat, so it can continue her eternal mission to protect its village from malevolent spirits. See, uh, these stories just stress me out. Because I imagine them, and I imagine them happening to me, and then I know I would never be able to survive in a situation like that. Correct. You would not. (laughs) I'm surprised you can survive, like, regular everyday situations. Way to support me. Um, well, the Wampus Cat today is considered one of the North American cryptids, similar in legend to a chupacabra or a werewolf. The Greenville Daily Sun, on December 17, 1918, boldly reported a Wampus Cat roaming the Big Ridge in the vicinity of Gethsemane. Um, and various towns in the United States reported sightings as early as the 1920s, I think, of the Wampus Cat. Um, on February 15th, 1923, the Greenville Democrat Sun reported a reign of terror caused by raids of the Wampus and the Virginia swamps. Uh, they believed that it was a mysterious monster thought to be a previously long extinct species. Um, And it was reported that the beast had eaten dogs, pigs, and other animals in the vicinity. And they thought that it had come out uh, looking for, you know, a change in diet. Okay. Cough, (laughs) cough, human flesh. So this is like a real... Take mine. So this is like a real... I don't want to say like this is a real thing, but this is the first, I think sort of cryptid we've had where people have actually reported to see it i mean people report seeing everything right but like the last three have been really mythology heavy yeah this one is like the first like yeah people have yep yeah okay yep um during the 1920s and 30s newspapers like the mooresville tribune uh, reported a wampus cat killing livestock in North Carolina to Georgia. 
uh, with such sightings continuing on into the 1960s. Uh, when one was sighted, the townspeople would attempt to institute curfews as well as attempt to arm themselves against the creature. Um, though now, the dead livestock and sightings may now be attributed to early intrusions of coyotes or jaguarundi. Um, the livestock deaths at the time were attributed to the deadly wampus cats. I love how they were like, no, no, guys, this is definitely not something that we know is real that we have seen before. <laughs> this is 100% a mythical cat. Well, it's like I said, early intrusions. They weren't really known to have a ton of coyotes. Yeah, but I... Or anything I, like that. Like I, I love the fact that they came to the conclusion of mythical being, like mythical cat, before they said, you know what, it might just be a coyote. Well, if you had never seen one before, it's a mythical something. True, true. I'd just... roll with it. <laughs> Um, the McDowell News also talks about people in Alabama who claim that the government was trying to create a wampus cat-like creature which escaped a facility and now roams the lands. I like this one. <laughs> yeah. Keywords, people in Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> Um, nowadays, the wampus cat, or the likeness of one, is used as a mascot for several institutions. Um, among them, the list includes Clark Fort Junior and Senior High School in Clark Fort, Idaho, where the beast is seen as a yellow cougar with a ball on its tail, covered in sharp quills or spikes, which is in turn akin to the legends of the ball-tailed cat, which was a fearsome critter in North American folklore. <laughs> Yeah, when I was looking at when I was trying when I was looking at pictures, I saw a bunch of like statues in front of schools, and I was like, "I wonder if she's going to talk about that." Yeah. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, this version, the ball-tailed cat, um, was most commonly described as again similar to a mountain lion, except with an exceedingly long tail, to which there was affixed a solid bulbous mass used for striking its prey. Um, tales, as in stories of ball-tailed cats. <laughs> were common among woodsmen during the turn of the 20th century, and many variations still exist today. Um, two of the most prominent variants are the Digmall and the Silver Cat. The latter is distinguishable for not only having a smooth-sided ball for, na- for knocking wayfarers unconscious, but in addition, a spiked side for piercing and grappling its victims. It reminds me of that one dinosaur. I forget what it's called. but I don't know. Ankylosaurus. Ankylosaur? Yeah, no, the one where it just has like, uh, yeah, it's a spiky ball. Brings death and destruction wherever he walks, but he's also really fat and he waddles everywhere, and I kind of love him. Oh my god, I think it's the Ankylosaur. Oh, it is! (laughs) Ankylosaurus. This is turned into a dinosaur podcast. Okay, so I was a dinosaur kid when I was little. (laughs) um there's a book that i can see right now from where i'm sitting that is the encyclopedia of carnivores it's a dinosaur book (laughs) we start a second dinosaur podcast i yeah i know a lot about dinosaurs (laughs) doesn't help me the biggest mystery that we'll ever cover on this podcast is what i'm going to university for (laughs) Um, and I think that's going to be a cold case, you guys. I'm going <laughs> to drop out. <laughs> I'm going to drop out to become the Wampus Cat's biggest and only fan. 
<laughs> and only fan. I'm sure there's an underground community of Wampus Cat stands. Yeah, in the sewers. <gasps> you are so right. They probably hold like meetings down there. Road trip. <laughs> underground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Wampus Cat is like really underground, like literally. <laughs> Can't wait to have a wet stench. You and me, Wampy, don't you worry. Don't call it Wampy. <laughs> Anyways, the Wampus Cat is also the mascot of Conway Junior High and High School in Conway, Arkansas, and is described by locals as a mountain lion with six legs, four for running, and two for fighting. I am obsessed with that description. Me <laughs> <laughs> too. Um, it's also the mascot of, like, a handful of other schools as well. But these were the only ones that had, like, a variation of portrayal that I thought was cool to add. So, there's a lot in, you know, Midwest. I mean, Idaho. There's probably, like, two more in Idaho. I love you, Yeah, Idaho. I've never been to Idaho. If I say the word Idaho one more time, I don't believe it's real. <laughs> like, like, you're right. I am Daho. Idaho. <laughs> Oh my god. Udaho and Idaho. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Moving on to popular culture. Um, a musical ensemble who recorded several tracks around, I think it was 1937 and 1938, consisting of six or seven string musicians, including Oscar, Buddy Woods, were billed as the Wampus Cats. Uh, are they on Spotify? <laughs> <laughs> Um, They're called the Wampus Cats? Yep. In the Road Doll novel, James and the Giant Peach, the police officers and firemen of New York City mistook the centipede for a wampus or wampus cat. Um, But the most popular and well-known appearance and mention by far is as a part of J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter and the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them franchise. Um, Because in the American School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, Ilvermorny. Um, it is named one of its four houses for the mythological beast. Um, the school is said to be divided into four houses, Wampus, Puckwudgie, Thunderbird, and Horned Serpent, each said to represent a different part of the ideal wizard. Uh, the house Wampus was said to be representative of those who were argumentative and fiercely loyal. When sorting, if this house chooses a student, the statue of a Wampus cat is said to roar in approval. Uh, so, a couple things. Number one, they are on Spotify. They have 33 monthly listeners and one song. And um, second thing, when I took the quiz, um, I am proud to say I was actually sorted into Wampus when I took the Ivor Money quiz. I was sorted into Horned Serpent, I think. I knew that was coming before you even said it. I'm like, you know what? (laughs) And that's not just because I'm in, like, I like snakes, but I don't really know. I never really got into the, like... American School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. I don't really I just, care. I just was trying to convert everything into Hogwarts so I knew what was going on and it wasn't working. Yeah, I don't know. It's a little weird. Um, but let me see. Lastly, in the Pottermore story titled History of Magic in North America, Rowling lists the Wampus Cat as a source for hair used in magic wands. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I, I was having a hard time just like, I wanted everything to be Hogwarts and so it didn't really grab me, but 
I, I was... mean, I think it's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was but... I was sorted into into Wampus, so. No, I don't know. I because I think the problem is is that Hogwarts seems like a very, like, Europe thing to do. It does not seem like a very North American thing to do. I think mm-hmm. whenever I would have thought about schools not in like Europe, Asia area, it was like how they described the places in Brazil, which is like a little sketchy, by the way. But that's okay. When they were like, "Oh, Bill Weasley went there and learned all about." maybe it's charlie and like learned all about this stuff from like the tribal shamans and stuff like i feel like that is totally what would happen in north america we do not have an american boarding school about not like if anything it would either be something like that where it is applicable to no white people ever it's like (laughs) the natives and indigenous people who would not have a school like that? Or conversely, it would be only white people, and it would be a school run like West Point Military Academy. Yeah, we're not cool like that. Like, either we would be bred and brought up for the military, or and have it be only white people, and they'd all be racist. <laughs> yeah. Or it would be no white people, and it would be definitely, like, indigenous people. Like, I still believe. I believe that if anybody is in North America it's them they got something and i'm not i'm not, not about to close to comprehending yeah i'm i'm just gonna let them do their own things and exist as as is their right but they are no because no it's joke. all because it's all their folklore and their stories and every, i mean the fact that wombus is one of the houses i mean thunderbird we're about to talk about that in a little bit White people didn't think that up either. Mm-hmm. Like, none of this stuff. Like, yeah. it would not be wrong like that. And I think that's why it is so, like, whatever in my head. So, like, yeah, no one does that. Either it is a religious academy, the equivalent of a private school, a military school, or a public school. <laughs> Those are your yeah. options. Yeah. <laughs> people do not boarding school in, in America, Okay. Maybe you can pull that crap in Canada. Maybe its secret entrance is behind, like, Niagara Falls. (laughs) Where if you survive, you get into the school. Yeah. The entrance of North America, if run like West Point, is either through the sewer or you have to drive off a cliff. And see if you make it. Preferably in a pickup truck. Yeah. And you you have to be blasting Sweet Home Alabama or they don't let you in. This is well, okay. Speaking of this, this is really funny. When I was in Montana this past week, we there were a lot of people staying at my family's house that we have up there, and so we had to take three cars when we went anywhere. And one of the cars was like a nineteen like eighty four Toyota pickup that had like it was only one seat, and I sat in the middle between like my aunt and uncle who were there too. And it was, like, just the one seat in the front. So I w- it was, like, a three-person, like, seater. And we felt like we were going to die at any point in time because this car was so old. And on the very last day, it died in the middle of the road. So I think if I were to be accepted into one of those schools, that would be my test. Yeah, your car can't be newer than 2005 or they will not let you in. Yeah, it was a really surreal experience just being in an old pickup truck in the middle of nowhere, like, out in the country. Yeah, if um, it doesn't backfire, you're not worthy. Yeah, no, it's it stalls in the middle of the road. We had to yep. pull over, call roadside assistance. 
Welcome to, to the American School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. <laughs> yeah. It's called getting your car to start in the middle of the road. Yeah. Me as I turned my car off, completely turned it back on as the first car at, at a green light. <laughs> with one single tear rolling down my face. Please start. Please. Yeah, that was my acceptance. That's my acceptance letter. Y'all got owls and we're just like, please stop. We're just like, please. Ours is, please yeah. start. Yeah, they got owls. We get check engine lights. Yeah, it was, no, it was, because no, we didn't know what was wrong with the car. This is a total tangent, but like. It is, but it's it was, accurate. It, we had no idea what was wrong with the car. And like, it had gas and oil. It was literally just old. Like, yeah, that's why, it's old. That's why it didn't work. I'm telling you now, I'm running my car into the ground. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Fifth American house is called the junkyard. <laughs> That's where all people whose families make below 50k a year go to. That's where the FAFSA sends you, okay? That's where the FAFSA sends you. If if your familial income isn't high enough, you get sent to the junkyard house. And instead of the statue of the wampus cat roaring in approval, you just get, like, carried away by a crane. Like the machine, (laughs) not the bird. Yeah. Yeah, people in Thunderbird get carried away by the bird. It's just me and, like, a piece of machinery. Oh, like looking in the air. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> that is it for the Wampus Cat. There isn't a whole lot because white people don't pay attention when non-white people talk about stuff. So yeah, exactly. I, I did mean. my best. No, I love him. Her, sorry, I love her. What a babe. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, our next one, which is my favorite by far for now, is the Underwater Panther. Um, I'm prefacing this by saying that, like, a lot of the names used are obviously from, like, Ojibwe tribes, Anishinaabe tribes, and I, um, I'm going to do my best to pronounce the words the way that I could best find them that they should be pronounced. I spent, like, an hour, um, but it's probably not great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's not great at all. It's probably terrible. But I am going to do my best. It is, it is the thought so, that counts. Yeah, I'm just issuing uh, an apology. Because okay. I can't even speak my first language that well. So <laughs> I, I, I greatly apologize. Just trying my best. Yeah. All right. Do you Have you ever heard of the underwater panther before? Never. Never? Nope. Well, you don't learn today. I'm so excited. This one seems so fun. All right. The underwater panther is most often called Misha Peshu, Misha Bezu, or Misa Bijou in Ojibwe. Um, Misha Peshu translates into the Great Lynx. Um, sometimes it is referred to as Giche Anami Bezu, which translates as the Fabulous Night Panther. It translates... To the fabulous night panther? Yes. Are you kidding me? (laughs) This is the best one. I don't know anything about it, but... (laughs) That's enough. Yeah, he's fabulous. Roll credits, we're done. Yeah. Um, However, it has a wide variety of names and pronunciations. Uh, It is also commonly referred to as the Great Underground Wildcat or the Great Underwater Wildcat. It is said to have the head and paws of a giant cat, but covered in scales. 
with dagger-like spikes running along its back and tail. Um, the underwater panther was pretty much an amalgam of parts from many animals. Uh, it was said to have the body of a wild feline, often a cougar or lynx, the horns of a deer or bison, upright scales on its back, occasionally even feathers, um, with webbed paws, kind of like an otter, if you're like picturing it in your head. Oh. Um, but it may include parts of other animals as well, depending on the particular myth. Um, it is represented with exceptionally long tails, occasionally with serpentine properties. Sometimes, this very long tail is often said to be made of copper. Really? Yeah. That's and so cool! Because I'm going to bring it up now, but you've heard me talk about this before. <laughs> because something that the Great Lakes are known for, anthropologically and historically, was their overwhelming supply of native copper. Oh... Okay. They I had, see. like, the greatest access to it whatsoever. And this is the part that I told you about. Because native copper is not, like, what we think of as copper. It is extremely soft and malleable. So in the Great Lakes region of North America, it was pretty much used only for decorative purposes. So it would appear on, like, ritual items jewelry decorations because it was pretty much like plating something in gold kind of it was just a pretty color and it was soft enough to be pounded flat into a shape uh but because they had so much of it that is pretty much only what they used copper for historically because they never had interesting because they never had a reason to get copper from another source so throughout history during certain periods of time that is just what people living in near around the Great Lakes region thought that copper was used for. They didn't think it would be great for tools, anything like that, because if all you used ever was native copper and you never got any from any other place, that's all it did. And that's all it was used for. Interesting. Okay. I see you. (laughs) Yeah. I see you native copper. Yeah. See, people, I do go to university. What for? Couldn't tell ya. <laughs> what for? I'm, Fun facts I'm about a- copper. I'm majoring in underwater panther. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyways, that definitely comes into play because if it's something used in, like, non-functional objects, of course it would be tied to something viewed as mythical or important. So yeah. It's all- It's all coming together. (laughs) Um, The creatures are thought to roar or hiss in the sounds of storms or rushing rapids and is able to cause storms, waves, and whirlpools while traveling through underwater tunnels. Uh, Wow. I am in awe already. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's even said to break the ice in winter so that people fall through and drown. Oh, I am slightly less in awe. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still in awe. Um, It's one of the most important of several mythological water beings among many indigenous peoples of the northeastern woodlands and Great Lakes region. Um, It is one of the most important animals for the Ojibwa as well as the Anishinaabe tribes. Um, The creature calls an island in Lake Superior home, which is the largest and wildest of all the Great Lakes. 
Um, I think the island is, I'm trying to remember what it's called. Mishapakotan, I think. Mishapakotan Islands in Lake Superior. Um, the beast is the ultimate metaphor for Lake Superior. Powerful, mysterious, and ultimately very dangerous. Oh, we knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> A powerful creature in the mythological traditions of some Native American tribes, particularly Anishinaabe tribes like the Ottawa, Ojibwe, and the Potawatomi um, of the Great Lakes region of Canada and the United States. Um, however, the Innu, who were the indigenous inhabitants of northeastern Quebec and eastern Labrador, also have stories of the underwater panther. Um, to the Algonquins, the underwater panther was the most powerful being of the underworld. I have no words anymore. <laughs> this one's so cool. The Ojibwe traditionally held them to be masters of all water creatures, including snakes, uh, with some versions of the Nanabuzo creation legend referring to whole communities of water links. It's like, oh, I, I couldn't process that for a second, but like links <laughs> and cat. Okay, I got you. <laughs> Um, some archaeologists believe that underwater panthers were major components of the southeastern ceremonial complex of the Mississippian culture in prehistoric American South Southeast, almost said Southwest, also known as the SECC. It was the name given to the regional stylistic similarity of artifacts, icons, ceremonies, and myth and mythology of the Mississippian culture in the mythologies of the indigenous people <laughs> of the Great Lakes. Underwater panthers are described as water monsters that live in opposition to the thunderbirds, which are masters of the powers of the air and considered supernatural beings of strength. The underwater panthers are seen as an opposing yet complementary force to the thunderbirds, and they are said to be engaged in eternal conflict. When they fight with, when they fight with each other, they are said to produce terrible storms and howling winds. I okay, so I know about the Thunderbird when I was big into I still am, but I but when I was like big into cryptozoology as a child and I thought a cryptozoologist was like a was like an actual career path I could take. It I, is it is, but you will not make much money unless you get like a show deal or like something. Um but I researched the Thunderbird a lot and listen, they are no joke. <laughs> They're so scary. Yeah, um, I'm not going to be done after I do Big Kitty Month. That's Big Bird I, Month. <laughs> that's the next one that I planned. <laughs> Big Aviation Month. Yeah. <laughs> um, the underwater panther is said to have power over drowning, as well as the souls of those who die by water. So to placate them and ensure their safe return... The Anishinaabe would make offerings of tobacco to them before setting out on long canoe journeys. Uh, so, I mean, I, I want to go on a long canoe journey. I tried to find out why it was tobacco, and I, I couldn't. I think it was just something that had a high value. That was, I mean, obviously, if you're going to make an offering to something, I would assume that it had to be something of value to you. Yeah. Like, don't sort of be like, I found this on the ground. I don't care what it is. Please don't kill me. <laughs> like, 
But I I would just be like, dude, I'm definitely killing you now. Like, I probably wouldn't have cared before, but now it's personal. Now I owe you. Yeah. <laughs> Did this to yourself. Um, Misha Pesu were said to live in the deepest parts of lakes and rivers where they cause storms. Some traditions believe the underwater panthers to be helpful and protective creatures. Um, the Algonquins regarded underwater creatures like this beast as bringers of protection, healing, and medicine, especially as medicine bundles were often made of snake skin. Oh. More often, however, they were viewed as malevolent beasts that brought death and misfortune. Uh, some tribes describe the water panther as the size of a regular lynx or mountain lion. Some, however, describe the beast as pretty much absolutely enormous. <laughs> Huge. Big kitty. Yeah, big like kitty. massive. Oh my god. Uh, they often need to be placated for safe passage across a lake or body of water. As late as the 1950s, the Prairie Band of Potawatomi Indians performed a traditional ceremony to placate the underwater panther and maintain balance with the thunderbird. When ethnographer Yuan Yord Cole visited the United States in the 1850s, he spoke with a Fond du Lac chief who showed Cole a copper piece he kept in his medicine bag. The chief said that it was a strand of hair from the Misha Peshu and was thus considered extremely powerful. Which, like, man, I would be blown away. Yeah, I would. I, I wouldn't even know what to do. Respectfully, I would not want to touch that. I'm sure. I mean, I can only assume how Yuan handled seeing whether it was skepticism or whatever. But I feel like even if I walked into that situation, being like, "This is going to be dumb," I would be like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Like I don't. Like that would make me question stuff. If I are like hundred percent skeptic, I would walk away from that and I'd be like, "Um, holy crap." Um, I am a different person. <laughs> like I would have to go lay down for maybe like three years. Yeah, I would. I would never be alive. Like, again. I would be done. That would be insane. Yeah. Ugh. Anyways, sorry. The respect I have is high. Um, the Misha Peshu was known for guarding the vast amounts of copper in Lake Superior and the Great Lakes region as a whole, and was said to covet copper above all other substances. Uh, the indigenous people mined copper long before the arrival of Europeans to the area, and later during the 17th century. Missionaries of the Society of Jesus arrived in the Great Lakes region. Ew. Uh, by that time, swiping copper from the region was considered extremely taboo and therefore was straight out forbidden by the Ojibwa tribe, rightfully. Um, and it was said to be even worse to take it from the Great Lakes' home, which was Mishapakotan Island, which was considered to be stealing from Mishapeshu himself, who would seek vengeance. And I will be far away when that happens. Yeah. I... I will be gone. <laughs> you just disappear. Yeah, I am out. Yeah. Somebody steals copper, you hear a rumbling for the water, like, the person would go and look, and then look back at you, and you would just be And gone. I am gone. <laughs> like, they blink, and you're, like, a mile away. Yeah. You just keep running forever. Exactly. You never exactly. stop. Never. <laughs> <You're so laughs> um, there are a few stories of encounters with this great beast. Uh, with the first documented sighting of it was around the 17th century. So, thank the Society of Jesus arriving in the region. 
Um, Father Paul Lejeune was on the shores of Lake Superior watching tribes in the area fish when he witnessed the men pulling a curious creature out of the water. It was said to be over a meter and a half long with a lizard-like body and the head of a turtle. The men were deeply unsettled and quickly tossed the creature back into the depths, hoping to escape the wrath of an underwater panther. Yeah, not that, again, so scary. So scary. (laughs) Um, A Jesuit missionary named Claude Dablon told a story about four Ojibwa Indians who embarked on a journey to the home of Mishapeshu in order to take some copper back to their home and use it to heat water. The very second they pushed off and back into the water with their canoe, the eerie voice of the water panther surrounded them and came growling after them, vigorously accusing them of stealing the playthings of his children. All four died on their way back to their village, the last one surviving just long enough to tell the tale of what had happened in his final moments before he died. I'm out. I am out. <laughs> like, respectfully, I want no part of this. <laughs> they turn, see Sarah running across the water like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Jesus. Wailing. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. You're like Dash from the Incredibles. Oh my god. <laughs> like, you're crying. And they're yeah. just evaporating as you go. Yeah. Nope, I'm out. Thank um, you, though. And lastly, uh, in terms of latest sightings go, in 1897, while yachting near Duluth, a man fell overboard and was attacked by a beast that constricted him, very similar to a snake. Uh, it squeezed him until all the air had been forced from his lungs and his eyes bulged. Three passengers on board the vessel witnessed the harrowing experience. That's one way to put it. Maybe not... I mean, (laughs) harrowing? More like... What's the word I'm looking for? More like life-ending... (laughs) <laughs> traumatizing <laughs> it is what it is it is what it is no it's not it is it's okay <laughs> um, as far as depictions in art and pop culture go the underwater panther is most often and most well represented in pictograms um, historical Anishinaabe twined and quilled men's bags often feature an underwater panther on one panel and the Thunderbird on the other. Um, Norville Morisot, who was an Ojibwe, painted underwater panthers in his woodland-style artworks, uh, which were contemporary paintings based on Ojibwe oral history and cosmology. Um, The emblem has been embellished and often appears as a decorative motif on muskets, and the Canadian Museum of History includes an underwater panther in its coat of arms. Nice. I love uh, native coat of art. Man, too bad the wampus cat wasn't on a coat of arms. Talk about arms. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, in 2003, archaeologist Brad Lepper suggested that the alligator effigy mound in Granville, Ohio, which, if you don't know what that is, it's like kind of a big thing. It's really just an effigy mound with a symbol that people thought was an alligator on it. But as far as archaeology goes, it was, like, a big deal, I guess. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't really know. Um, Lever posits that early European settlers, when learning from Native Americans that the mound represented a fierce creature that lived in the water and fed on people, mistakenly assumed that they were referring to an alligator, when in reality, it totally, plausibly, could have instead been an underwater panther. Nice. Well, imagine thinking you're seeing an alligator and you're already, like, freaked out because they're scary but like it's not and it's something 10 times worse either way i kind of want to give it a hug yeah you know what yeah <laughs> i want to give it a hug <laughs> um this is the most like pop culture television movie thing i could find um it was a grim episode which was titled misha peshu um <laughs> The plot revolves around the possession of a young Native American by an underwater panther. I, you know, I have not seen that show, but it's somehow that description feels exactly correct. Yes. Yeah. I think, I don't know. Is Grimm like, it's kind of like a, a fairy tale, but detective show, right? I think so. Like, I, I mean, mean like, as far as I know, it's just, I don't, like, is, is like, yeah, I think it's listed down as, like, American, fa- here, let me see, American Fantasy Police Procedural Drama Television Series. So, it's like you take NCIS, and you take Once Upon a Time, and you say, oh, let's put these together. <laughs> yeah, I just, that seems correct. Yeah, I think, because it was inspired by Grimm's fairy tales, but I guess it's kind of cool that they didn't just stick to those. Yeah. Like, they're just thinking outside the box, I guess. Or, honestly, they probably ran out of crap, okay? (laughs) (laughs) They probably were like, oh no, we've done all the white people stuff, let's start thinking outside the box. (laughs) (laughs) What else is in North America? An alligator. No, no. Wait until I tell you that it could be a cat instead. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then lastly, for anybody who wants to travel near or around the Great Lakes region, if you feel brave enough to come face-to-face with the underwater panther, you can visit the pictographs of Misha Peshu on Agawa Rock. They were created between 150 to even 400 years ago. It is one of the most well-known sites for viewing First Nations archaeological pictographs. Um, The rock with them on it can be accessed by trail, but some can only be seen from the water. Um, It's, I don't know, like it's up up past Michigan, past the UP, it's somewhere in Canada. Um, It's like how you access it, but yeah, Lake Superior, go see him. It's just, hold on, I'm going to try to find a picture of it to post, but... Oh, it's... you'll see it. And honestly, like, ba- like matching it up with, like, descriptions, it's pretty accurate. Like, you can oh. see, like, some spines or scales on the back. It's a very feline body shape. It has the tail. Yeah. It has the horns. Yep, I found it for sure. Well, because these aren't even ones that people are like, oh, I think it's this. Like, these are pictographs of the underwater panther 
Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. I want to go see that. Me too. It's on my list. However, now... I included it. Now I will be forever scared to go into um, uh, Lake Superior. (laughs) (laughs) As long as you be respectful and you don't take any chopper. Yes, do not do that. Or respectfully, if you do do that, don't take anything I will ever. know because I will literally be halfway to the UK. Yeah, yeah. The hair, on, all the hair on your arms, gonna stand up, and you just start running. Yeah, I'll be like, <gasps> someone's yeah. done it. <laughs> yeah, I think this is one of my favorite episodes that we've done so far because I don't know, like for me, like having it be in like. Appalachian Mountains Midwest area definitely closest to home yeah literally closest to university type of deal but I don't know there's always something that I resonate with a little bit more when it comes to like the folklore of like First Nations tribes like anything that is more deeply rooted in like the nature aspects of the world around us I'm always a little more like straight out on board with like even if I don't know anything about it I'm like sure that sounds right I believe that that seems fair so like even if there isn't an underwater panther which there probably is not there's still something that's like you know what they saw a bunch of this weird crap and they put a name to it they put a very scary face and body and tail onto it and they were like okay here is what we're gonna do about it and that was it. Yeah, it's the, I I think I like this episode the best because it was just it was it was fun and it was scary and um now and since it does hit close to home it's kind of scarier. <laughs> <laughs> like we are we are fairly close to Lake Superior. I don't know, it's just much more refreshing than even like the ones that unlike the other ones that we've covered, which even like the last three big kitty episodes they either were listed down straight up like the Manticore as unconquerable, like don't even try, or they were killed like the Chimera and the Sphinx. Right. Like, these ones are just, they just are, and they just were. And like it would really suck if one killed you, but it was probably your fault. <laughs> yeah, it would, it would be terrible, but like it's definitely your fault that you're yeah, dead. Like, I mean, yeah, like Underwater Panther always said, they were like, yeah, just. Start respecting, don't take its chopper, and be safe. Like, it is just something more than we are ever going to be built to deal with. We're just going to respect it for what it is and what it does. I mean, storms, whirlpools, opposition to the Thunderbirds. I mean, it's just it's just something that is bigger than we will ever be or ever be able to comprehend. So why in the hell would we ever try? And like, what? stab it yeah just humans don't have a general understanding of anything really so if you come into contact with something that you don't understand just let it be it's okay you don't need to understand everything oh i mean it's just a lot more interesting to read about something that is just like i mean some people thought it was good but most often it was malevolent and that's just how it was. It's not like, oh, it's evil. Let's go stab it in the neck. It was like, oh, it's evil. Let's not steal from it. And we'll just. We'll be fine. Like, we'll respect it. We'll, like, put traditions in place where we honor this creature. We're not going to 
piss it off and we're just gonna live a good life yeah and we'll be good <laughs> i mean yeah the manticore they were like oh we can't kill it i don't know how we know we tried and it did not work <laughs> yeah we tried and uh it killed us Epic. so <laughs> oh yeah by the way uh if, yeah well you can't stab it in the neck how do you know i tried <laughs> yeah i tried and failed <laughs> yeah my brother tried um and then he disappeared into the woods <laughs> forever Co- coincidence this was, huh this was seven years ago i haven't seen him since but i yeah. don't know man i think we should still try again like no even the wildest guy like people saw it and they were like yeah let's maybe get a gun out or something but i mean right off the bat it was you just get inside like you're done you see or leave or if you're me run to the uk (laughs) yeah but then you would be surrounded by the worst cryptids ever true they're british people (laughs) (laughs) apologies to our british listeners do we even have any? Um, yeah, you know what? We do. We do, and um, apologies to them. Maybe. 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 If they, if they get maybe. on our good side, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It depends. Did you take my copper? Mm-hmm. We'll see. All right. <laughs> All right, everyone. I will be posting pictures of all of all of the two the two big kitties that we talked about today. Plus, I'll post the pic. Are they pictogram is or pictograph? Pictographs. I I will post pictures of the pictographs. I'll also post a picture of a thunderbird just because I love them and I think they're cool. Um, over on our Instagram, that is at Blood and Guts Pod. We are on Twitter at Blood underscore Guts Pod. Um, you can email us anything you want. Um, if you have spotted a wampus cat or underwater panther in the wild, let us know about your experience. Um, and respectfully, I will like worship you forever for surviving that encounter. Um, you can email us that at bloodgutspot at gmail.com. And PSA, um, besides like respecting things that you don't know, just... If you get invited to a fan club and the location is in a sewer, maybe don't go. Wrong. Um, invite <laughs> me and we'll go together. <laughs> Buddy system. We can carpool. I'll make a playlist. <laughs> Wampus cat playlist. Yeah. Wampus cat core. Wampus tunes. Wampus tunes. And the Wampus only tunes. thing on the playlist is the one song from the Wampus cats. Yeah. I'm going to be their biggest fan, okay? Yeah. I love it. All right. Uh, Bye, everyone. Bye.